Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad. 6.30 Chad and the Edmonton Oilers Hockey Club present the show that is everything Oilers. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Managed print services to keep your printing costs down? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A. On Oilers Radio, 6.30 Chad. 105 at Edmonton, hour number two, Oilers Now. Second hour of Oilers Now is brought to you by Digitex. Don't spend your valuable time meeting with door-to-door sales reps. Your all-in-one convenient location is Digitex.ca, Alberta's number one owned and operated place to buy office technology and software. Uh, we are going to head off straight to our River Creek Resort and Casino hotline at 780-496-0063 for Canadian Power Pack, Alberta's leader in electrical construction and service, electrical prefabrication and solar. We are pleased to welcome back to the show longtime NHL executive and now a Sportsnet analyst, Brian Burke. Hi, Brian. How you doing? Hey, Bob. How are you? Uh, well, we got in at 3 in the morning, you know, but uh, <laughs> there's uh, no life like it. You know what I'm saying? Like, you just, uh, every day you're, you're happy to work in the league and be a part of it. Uh, we're having quite an animated discussion on today's show with what happened last night with Adam Larson. Um, we've had somebody point out, you know, Bob, you haven't mentioned that Nathan McKinnon got hooked by Connor McDavid and there was no penalty. And I'm like, did you listen to the broadcast last night? I, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to go through each of the details, but um, there's, a, there's a saying that some say, Brian, that uh, call at certain time doesn't influence a game. I don't buy that for a second. Uh, that said, Edmonton didn't lose last night because of officiating. They lost because Colorado completely took over the game in the final 35 minutes. But still a 3-2 and two road trip, and Edmonton's in a pretty good spot right now. Yeah, let's not lose sight of that. I think what happens is when a team has a good stretch on the road and a good stretch, you know, a great start to the season, and they have one tough game, people say, oh, what's wrong with the Oilers? And the fact is, no one picked them to be where they are. They've been terrific. They stumbled a bit last night. That happens. That's a good team. And it's a team with great speed that showed that speed in the second half of the game. Yeah, there's no question uh, about that. Um, and you know what? That team wants to win, too. Uh, the Oilers missed some opportunities in the first period. They had a window there. Some of their best guys weren't really firing on all cylinders. And Colorado can skate. And frankly, what they've done, given who they haven't had in the lineup, 
you know, not having two thirds. I mean, that is their top line is as good as anybody's in, in the NHL. And they haven't had Landis Cog and Ranton, and, and, and you know, and then they lost Zdora for a while. Now they lost Eric Johnson for a week. I mean, that's a pretty good hockey club there. I actually think, Brian, they're the best team in the Central Division because uh, I'm disappointed in what Nashville has been so far this year. I know St. Yeah. Like, and I'm looking at St. Louis's goal differential, and I'm not so like <laughs> the reigning Stanley Cup champs. I'm not so. They're a good team too, but I think Colorado might have a higher ceiling. Let's put it that way. When they're all healthy. Uh, I think their playoff performance in the first round last year woke a lot of people up because you can you can get along in Colorado under the radar, and I think the uh, the playoffs uh, against Calgary they they opened a lot of eyes. There, it's a, not only is it a good team, it's a deep team and it's a fast team. So they they're good without those two guys. They're still good. Uh, they showed their speed last night. They used it effectively. Uh, I thought Edmonton, Edmonton did a really good job managing the penalties early in the game. I thought they did a terrific job. Yeah. Second in the league in penalty killing all season, which is a major part of the order. I mean, there's been about five or six things, Brian. Obviously, you know, McDavid and Settle have been terrific most nights, and they're 1-2 in scoring. That's a given. Uh, penalty killing, which is partially coaching for me, but also the commitment of the penalty killers. The inclusiveness with the coach in building a team where everybody feels a part of things. And I think successful businesses, successful teams, that's a reoccurring theme. You got to have everybody engaged and pulling the rope in the same direction, don't you? Yes, and that's what penalty killing is: is you have a system uh, that the players believe in, but then they got to execute it. And they, these guys are fanatical about it. They've been great, the PK guys. And I saw an interview Dave Tippett did after the game the other night, not last night, but two games ago. And someone and someone asked him, you know, what do you say to the critics who say you're too reliant on two guys? And he said, which is a great answer. He said the guys that no one mentions are the guys that are number two in the league in penalty killing. And the jobs they do, not getting scored on, treading water, what I call it, is you want your bottom six to tread water, at least not get scored on. He said people are overlooking their contribution. So, and he's right. That's, that's, that's a really fair point. So, um, And I like the fact that on this trip they picked up some secondary scoring. they got some guys scoring goals now that weren't scoring goals earlier. Is that partially because the coach has stuck with those guys and kept them engaged in the process? Like, hasn't sort of, uh, you know, ostracized them for their lack of production? And, yes. And been inclusive in his approach? Yes. And, that, and that's, as a penalty killer, and that's, that was my specialty in university, is that we took great pride in killing penalties. Like, it was, we called ourselves the bomb squad. You know, okay, bomb squad, let's go. You got to kill us one off. And we took great pride in killing off the penalty. And the guys on the bench... You know, the better players, if you will, they'll all be like, hey, great job, guys, great job, bomb squad. And, you know, it would be Lou Lamorello was our coach, and he'd say, all right, first penalty kill, and uh, you go over, and the guys would all be yelling, go, bomb squad, let's kill us. So it's a unit thing, and they take on great pride, and, uh, you know, they're doing a great job of that. They're in the top five in both special teams. That's impossible. They're it's impossible. Se- uh, they, going into last night's game, they were second in both. So Yeah, that's it's impossible. All right. Um, I, I got to ask you this. So you saw the incident. Is that a major penalty to Adam Larson? Yeah, I think so. I know Edmonton fans are going to disagree, but, uh, you know, I don't have a stake in the game. Yep. And I thought it was a major penalty, which I thought they missed altogether. I love the new review process. 
where if they're going to call a major, they have to look at it again. Uh-huh. But I, I think, I don't know if Adam meant to do it, but he got him with a really good elbow, and, and the player clearly didn't think he was going to get hit. And and so, yeah, to me, that's a major penalty. I, I had no problem with that call. So we had two situations on the trip. Uh, Matt Benning got clubbed across the head by Evander Kane. The officials went in and talked to Dave Tippett in the second intermission and apologized for missing the call. There was no review of that event, and uh, Matt Benning has been in concussion protocol since. And then yeah, I didn't like that head. You didn't? Okay, so you didn't like that. And then, no. sa- and then Saturday night, they're in Vegas, and Ryan Reeves, old school. You would have loved that. Hey, when Edmonton played Dallas all those years in the playoffs, Ronnie Lowe tried to get 100 hits a night. So that hit in 1998-99, in 2000, yeah, absolutely. You're pounding a guy the way Ryan Reeves pounded Oscar Clefbaum, but it kind of looked like a hit from behind in the boards, and there was no minor penalty. And I think that's that's part of the slippery. Sl- and I don't want to again. Edmonton was outplayed last night, deserved to lose the game, right? But it is you can understand some of the frustration, and that's the the tricky part, isn't it? And you've been in that role, heading up sort of a department that oversees that whole area. Well, you know what happens too is when they put that that bang and crash line out, Vegas does. And they get two or three hits in a row, and the crowd gets into it. They do get away with it, the odd one, because they're they're delivering a clean hit, clean hit, clean hit, and then an iffy one. And the crowd screaming, and you know the the, the referees tend to look at it as just another clean hit. But that one was a little from behind. Yeah. Well, and, and that's, that's, I guess that's part of it. Uh, Brian Burke is our Oilers now headliner for Touchback Safety. Your safety is their goal. Discover your tra- safety training solutions at touchbacksafety.com. Uh, so, is Edmonton a playoff team, Brian? I think so. You think they're a playoff team? They're not, they're not there yet. Like we, If you do the breakdown of points they're getting from their goaltenders and the split, I think they, they're, they're right on the bubble in terms of what the goaltenders are giving them. If you're if your starter, you don't know, pick raw numbers. Say your starter can win forty, and they are more of a platoon system. So say your starter can win thirty-five, uh, then the backup's got to produce the rest of the points. So um, they're right on the bubble. Um, I did the math the other night; they were right on the bubble. But yes, I I think they're going to get better, not worse. I, I think they. I don't. You're going to have nights like that if the two big boys don't step up. This team's going to have trouble staying competitive. The good news is the big boys show up almost every night. Right. And they are as big as any of the two big boys in the league right now. We agree on that, right? They're bigger, yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, this is a dynamic duo right now in the NHL. Why do you think scoring's gone up so much this year? I don't know. I, I, style of play, obviously, but it was the same last year. And teams, I think the comebacks contribute. The, the number of goals that are scored when teams are behind, I think is at an all-time high. They've had, what, five, four-goal comebacks right. already? Yeah. They only had one last year. So I think teams that used to be out of it and say, okay, it's 5-1, we're done, they don't do that now. And so you come back and you're getting a lot of goals from teams that are in a negative position that you wouldn't have in the past. But otherwise, I can't explain it. Because the, the goaltending, I think the save percentage is the lowest it's been in several years in the NHL. And yet a number of teams have goaltenders that are playing lights out. Yeah, it's it's, and you've had some teams like you know you had the Islanders going a fifteen zero and two run, 
uh, with a yeah. with a split platoon between Varlamov and, and and Thomas Grice, and then you know they've lost a couple out in the uh, against teams right now below the playoff cut line you know, out in out in California. That happens. Uh, you know you had a tremendous run there for Dallas. I think they were thirteen one and one over fifteen games. They too have a platoon, and you mentioned the platoon with Edmonton. Are are we seeing that maybe this is the way to go with goaltenders moving forward? Well, I think it is. I mean, they're they're. Uh... I don't think a goaltender, if you play the you know the old Marty Brodeur load and play try to play seventy games, I think you're going to end up with either a hurt goalie or an exhausted goalie. And I think the platoon system makes sense. They just announced in Toronto that Hutchinson's going to play the first game of a home and home that starts tomorrow in Buffalo. So they're trying to get some backup goalie points. But again, if your goalie plays seventy games, your backup goalie still has to come up with some points. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, speaking of Toronto, they look like a completely different team with Sheldon Keefe, don't they? Have they been liberated? Is that what's happened there? Uh, there's there's that factor that, you know, new coach and liberated and this and that. I think it's it's more than that. I think the system they're playing, uh, where they're more patient with the puck, instead of getting the puck, you talk about playing fast. And the way the, the Leafs were before is, They'd get possession and at least two forwards to blow the zone. They'd try that stretch pass up to the red line and use their speed that way. And what Sheldon Keith has them doing is the defense slow it down, go D to D. The, the, the forwards circle back on an arc, get speed, and then they come up the ice as a, as a five-man unit. So it's 1990s hockey. It's Detroit Red Wings hockey from the 90s. But they use their speed in, in a group of five rather than sending out one or two guys hoping for a long stretch pass or a Hail Mary. And it's really been effective for the first three games. Obviously, small sample size, but they look loose. They look happy. But more importantly to me, they're they're controlling the puck and possessing the puck more and using their team speed more intelligently. Five-man attack, five-man back, that is something that Dave Tippett's talked about with Edmonton. And when they're on their game, their their defense are part of a moving unit up the ice. And, and when they're on their game, their their forwards are back supporting the house as well. So it's it's, it's yep. an interesting perspective. I'm going to circle something back. You, you, you said that you think the orders are going to get better. As a manager, did you start the season with a plan thinking, well, you know, we're, we're, we're not an elite team so we're going to grow our team a bit and and suddenly your team took off a bit and and started to maybe have it you know what i mean by it like this group is gelling together and i have an onus and a responsibility as a manager to assist in helping our group can and and so suddenly you became a buyer where maybe you didn't think you did that ever happen to you in, in the years you were manager yeah, a couple times my team was better than I thought, but I was never a big deadline guy. You know that. Yeah. So to me, with with the number of teams that are surprises, so Vancouver's been a surprise, Edmonton's been a surprise, but you look at that, Philadelphia's been a surprise, but they've all got cap issues. So the notion that they're going to go out and get this big piece that'll put them over the top, I can't see much happening that way. I really can't. You, the only way Edmonton can add a $6 million player is if someone takes one back or takes back a $5 million player. And so I can't see the math working to make a big addition. And the problem is some of the contracts you might want to move uh, to equal out have negative trade equity, so you have to give more in real assets as well. Yeah, some of those guys come with a clothespin, right? I want to trade you this guy, but here's a clothespin. You can put it on your nose so you can stomach the trade. Do you think Taylor Hall finishes the year in New Jersey? 
no. Uh, and the only reason I say no is apparently they had a meeting when, when New Jersey was out in Western Canada a couple of weeks ago. They had a meeting with the agent. He indicated that he was not prepared to re-sign at this point. And if you're just going to get through the year and hope you can re-sign him and risk not getting any any value back, I would make the error on the side of, okay, then we probably have to move him. So Darren Ferris is the agent for Taylor. He's also the agent for Andreas Athanasiu, who right now has the green jacket. He is at minus 24, this at minus 25. Somehow he was not a minus last night. The Leafs beat them 6 nothing, And they had players that were minus 4 in that game for Detroit. But Athanasiu is fast. He's moderately priced, and he scored 30 goals last season. So, I mean, is he worth a first-round pick, or in your mind is he a, a second-round pick and a B-grade prospect? Well, every year I, I predict the markets, you know, I say he's worth a second-round pick because I, I always, I'm appalled at rental values, and that's why I was never a big deadline guy. The price tag for top rentals is through the roof. And, uh, but at the end, the market will set itself, and yes, I could easily see him going for a first. You could, eh, for Athens to see him. Yeah, especially if it's a team that's going to pick 22nd to 30th. Right. Though you inherited a situation where Anaheim made some picks count 19th and 27th, I believe, or 28th. Yeah, there's Brian Murray, though. I, wasn't, uh, I wish I could take credit right. for Getzlaff and Perry. Yeah, hence, The late, great Brian Murray, he drafted those guys. I wish the hell I could say I did. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's funny with that 2003 draft, Brian, because the teams that missed on that draft year, they had some challenges throughout the back half of the 2000, uh, 2000s and early 2010s, and I'm referring to the Islanders and the Oilers. Right, yeah, uh, right. Yeah. Those were two of the clubs that, I mean, Edmonton traded down and took um, Mark Antoine Pouliot, and uh, the Islanders got, I believe, Robert Nielsen that year. The Rangers took Hugh uh, Jessamin, who, uh, hey, yeah. I, I, I got it. I got one more for you too, okay? Because, and I'm not picking. And on... by the way, let me let me interject, Bob. Just so everyone's comfortable, like I know people love to throw darts at GMs and say, "Oh, they took Pouliot." Guess where? 20 teams had Pouliot. Right there. This is back to our Paul Yarby conversation. Yes. Like you guys were trying, you guys were, when you were in Calgary, you were trying to get him in 26. You were were trying to get that pick. Yes. So so this is, it's easy. I I, I used to joke with Doug McLean when he worked here. They all gave him a hard time for picking Gilbert Brule. Yeah. Guess where we had Brule? Right where they picked him. Yeah, I love Gilbert. Remember they picked him. I loved him that draft year. In junior, yeah. I yeah. loved him, you know, and but but it's it's funny because because that's the biggest, the easiest target for you as a GM. Even even if you have a good team and you're winning, people go back and say, "Oh, the first round they took this guy." Peter Shirelli took Pooley Yarby, and they could have this guy. Everyone had Pooley Yarby there. Everyone teams were trying to trade up to get him. Jesus, Murphy, it's an easy rock to throw. Well, it's funny because I did an interview with Ken Holland that ran on um, Monday's edition of Oilers Now, and he credited, uh, because when Ken took the job, I said to him privately, I think there might be more here than some people think, and I was referring specifically to the young defense. I didn't think Ethan Bear would be this good this year, but I thought he could turn the corner. And uh, and Ken made a point of complimenting the work that uh, you know Peter uh, the, that the group did under Peter's watch. You know what I mean? Like, not- yeah. And, and and fans won't want to hear what I'm about to say, but the fact is, Peter Shirelli left a lot of big blocks there. Yes, he made some mistakes. I'm not gonna right. I'm not gonna try and. 
gloss over the mistakes. But he left some very important building blocks there. And when a guy gets fired, he's treated like a pariah. And I remember we played, uh, when I was in Calgary, we played Vancouver in the playoffs. And Mark Giordano walked around the building, and he came up to me and goes, did you ever work here? There's not a there's not a trace that Brian Burke ever was in that building. There's not a picture. There's not a team picture, nothing. And, and Gio came up to me and said, did you really work here? So that's what happens when you get fired. But the fact is, he left some really important blocks there. You know what, Brian? You still have the greatest rant ever when it comes on uh, <laughs> officiating yeah. on, on the Sadines. What was it? Sadine is not Swedish for, was it Hawking or? It was, uh, for, for punch me in the head in the scrum or put me in a headlock. Uh, awesome stuff. Hey, uh, we focused on hockey. Thanks, Brian. Thanks, Bob. You bet. That is Brian Burke, courtesy of Canadian Power Pack. Uh, Canadian Power Pack, Alberta's leader in electrical construction service, electrical prefabrication and solar. Make sure you go down and see the gang at Brent Ridge Ford. We're going to have something to talk about once we get through uh, U.S. Thanksgiving weekend, otherwise known as the Black Friday weekend. Uh, you can get a no-charge winter performance package in most cars, trucks, and SUVs, plus 0% financing on Ford F1, F-150s and select SUVs. Brent Ridge is an eight-time President's Diamond Award winner for customer satisfaction. They've got some screaming Black Friday deals and F-150s right now. You can reach Brent Ridge Ford out in Wetaskiwin where cars cost less. Call 1-877-477-3673 or visit BrentRidge.com. Back with the Oilers Injury Report for James H. Brown Injury Lawyers. This is Oilers Now. Hi, this is Jujara Kara from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Chad. He scored the goal. He was probably the Oilers' best skater last night. And again, for the 293rd time, understand the context of a tweet. When somebody says the game changed on a suspect major call, that doesn't mean that the game was, you know, it cost the Oilers the game. I'm saying the game turned when the call occurred during the course of the game. Motors got outplayed the rest of the way. That's just kind of the way it was. That's that's what happened. In the spirit of the moment, when you watch it, you go, that's a two-minute penalty. And then when you sit there and drill down, maybe, but I, I would guess that many former referees would suggest that was a minor penalty initially. Today, it's a major. All right, let's get to... Uh, the Oilers Now Injury Report brought to you by James H. Brown Injury Lawyers. When accidents happen, go to jameshbrown.com. Here's Dave Campbell. All right, Matt Benning remains out with a concussion. Alex Chason has joined him in, in concussion protocol. The big hit from Ryan Graves last night. Ryan Nugent Hopkins questionable Saturday against the Vancouver Canucks with a hand issue. Uh, former Oiler Drake Kajula moved to Chicago's long-term injury reserve list. No timetable for return because of a concussion. Defenseman for the Kings, Alex Martinez, Alec Martinez was playing Based on injury reserve with a wrist laceration. Ottawa, Vladimir Nemestikov, Artem Anisimov, both questionable return tomorrow against the Wild. They're on IR with separate issues. All right. Uh, we are going to go off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell and hook up uh, with Brad Lauer, who's back in town with the Edmonton Oil Kings. This is Oilers Now. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad.